What's going on, Wrestling Inc.? It's Wednesday night. We're happy that you're with us once again for another fun Wednesday night on the Wrestling Inc. YouTube, Twitch, all across the social media platforms. You know what that means. It means it's time for Labar and Kunawa. That's right, Justin and Alfred here with you to talk AEW Dynamite, to talk some big wrestling headlines, and just to talk to you guys. We love the live chat room that's hanging out with us, and we encourage you to start taking part in the live show if you're not doing so already alfred uh, all the way out in los angeles california alfred how's it going great great to be here great to see you on back-to-back nights after your cameo last night on the nxt pod that was a lot of fun and it's good to see you again my running yeah good uh You're running yeah <laughs> unannounced we got justin lamar big deal <laughs> that was fun no it looked like you guys were having a good time and i didn't want to be uh denied of of, of getting in on the action for a minute so i don't blame you man <laughs> Uh, again, thanks to everybody for tuning in. I see the um, the uh, chat room and, and everybody starting to file in, so we'll let that happen. Um, a lot of things going on. I want to also make an announcement. You've probably seen it already, but I know Raj is, just wants to get the word out there. If you could follow the backup Twitter account right now for Wrestling Inc., uh, it's at WrestlingInc.com. So C-O-M added the, to, the, to the end of it. Uh, if you've missed out, Raj is having a legal battle with Twitter right now. Uh, Twitter suspended the... Um, the, the primary wrestling Inc. Twitter account citing a copyright of, of, of Olympics. And, and there, there was no such tweet even about Olympics. So Raj is trying to get to the bottom and trying to get that account recovered that obviously has uh, you know a large following. And that's what the majority of people are following. So we don't know how long it's going to take. So in the uh, intermediate, if you just want to keep up and get your headlines uh, tweeted into your timeline, go ahead and give a follow to the at wrestling Inc. Com. It's, it's, it's free the wrestling Inc. Yeah, free exactly. I mean, it's hey, look, you know, if the NFL has shown us, you always got to have a good backup. You always got to have somebody who knows the plays. So there's a backup yeah. wrestling Inc. Twitter account. As it is Nick be. Foles of Twitter accounts. <laughs> still win you a title. I prefer Taylor Heineke. Okay, well there you go. <laughs> the Taylor Heineke of backups. <laughs> All right, uh, Alfred. Let's look at look at uh, some of the news headlines here. Uh, we'll start with uh, something that went down after NXT went off the air last night. And that is Tommaso Ciampa, who, who, of course, was on NXT, if you watch. But then after the show, he grabbed the mic and uh, kind of seemed to give him maybe an emotional farewell. Of course, Ciampa was also on Monday Night Raw. We've seen him there. So he gets on the mic. He says, I, I promised myself I wouldn't talk riding high from emotions. Sometimes I lose, my, lose myself a little. But damn it, if having my neck getting beat to hell by Dolph Ziggler tonight didn't remind me of my life, what I've been through to stand in this ring and what it means to be part of NXT and hear you people chanting NXT with all the damn passion you have in existence and he closes with i'll tell you this from the bottom of my soul i love you i love this place i thank you together forever we are nxt so uh tomaso champa you know who was a has been a major face of the nxt brand at least the previous nxt brand and a guy who would even on so many way i think at times even kind of said he didn't even want to ever go to the main roster he liked being an nxt lifer that thought well whether he's for this or against this uh he he looks like he's done with the uh, with uh, the formerly black and gold brand. Yeah, they dyed his beard brown. It's time to go. It's time to move <laughs> to greener pastures, man. But yeah, it did kind of look like this might have been a send off. They have been integrating raw stars like Dolph Ziggler with NXT, as we have seen over the past couple of nights between Ziggler and Tommaso Ciampa. But this might actually be a full on send off to the main roster. And I will say, listen, just maybe being a little jaded and cynical. I don't have extremely high hopes for Ciampa on the main roster in the long scheme of things, but what I saw on Raw, I liked. I liked him and Ziggler. I just feel like they both seem re-energized, and them working together has been really fun for the past couple of nights, and he didn't seem like he didn't fit in. I think it was a good idea to pair him with Finn Balor, who's a guy of similar size and also a really big star, to kind of maybe train people to see a smaller guy in the same light who came from NXT. So I like that pairing of Finn Balor and Tommaso Ciampa. They could be a tag team for a little bit, and that's how he starts on the main roster if that is his direction. I think it could possibly be good for Tommaso Ciampa. Yeah, you know, I'm not normally in favor of the oddball pairings. I'm really particular about tag teams. I want them to I want them to have the same gear. I want I yeah. want it to seem cohesive, you know. I I and you know, like I hated when it was Malachi Black and Ricochet randomly being a team for the, you know at one point in the main roster. Uh, but you're right. While Finn and Champa on paper to me would fall in that same category, like you said, I think perception does play a, a, a benefit here. That Finn is over with the crowd. He is a former universal, first ever universal champion. So there maybe is like a little bit of like that liaison process. Yeah. Of yeah, this you know because we've seen most 
guys, with the exception of Elias or uh, uh, Corbin. Uh, you know, there's been very few guys that have come from NXT and uh, seen more success on the main roster than they had in NXT. Uh, so I think by having this kind of liaison process, this might help with Champa. And the funny thing is, he's not the biggest in size, but I feel like he has like the depth of emotion and character and can crazy eyes, crazy look that I feel like if he can get the opportunity to pitch to Vince or for Vince to see it somehow, that maybe, you know, he, he might surprise us. Cause I just feel like he does have elements of performance that Vince would, would harness and, and attach to. And similar to Finn Balor, he's ripped to shreds. He takes care of his body. That's something that, you know, Vince McMahon, who's a bodybuilder at heart, definitely takes into account when he's evaluating talent. And we saw him last night on XT. He looked shredded. Yeah. No, that's that's that that is very true. He is uh again not the tallest guy, but he doesn't look he doesn't look like he doesn't he doesn't look like an indie guy. Uh, right. So he does he lo- does look like he could be a star if put in again in the right uh, situation, right perception. Uh, speaking of WWE, let's, let's jump back over to Monday. Uh, that, that was of course the post elimination chamber episode of Raw. It drew an average of one point eight two five million viewers back on USA Network. Uh, and this is up 13% from the week prior of 1.6 when they were on Sci-Fi. Uh, first hour drew 1.945, second hour 1.868, and the final hour, uh, just the trend of what it always is now, is the lowest 1.66. So, uh, you know, still have that trend. That's not going away. But uh, overall, good to see them go back up on USA. And then to note, they drew a 0.51 rating in the key 18 to 49 demo. That's up 15%, and it's one of the best key demos that they've done um for all so you know that's what you want that's the trend you want to see as you are uh on the road to mania absolutely and that's what it is partly is the road to wrestlemania it's their busiest time it's also no football competition football is officially over now that the super bowl is gone uh and wwe i think you know being off of sci-fi although they did overachieve on sci-fi last week and then being back on usa network with no olympic competition is also helping them a lot i think daylight savings is going to help so it's a good time and it's perfect timing because it's around right now if they haven't already started negotiation season is coming for wwe uh you know when that big deal comes it is up in 2024 but we're going to get the announcement i'd imagine sometime in 2023 therefore the the negotiations would feasibly start like now within the next couple of months and if the numbers are like this uh that couldn't hurt yeah yeah i mean you're right it's up in 24 i mean yeah tv deals usually they start talking like at least 18 months out oh yeah uh, to get the stuff done so and obviously you know they saw an increase uh as we just noted and you know I expect there probably to be an increase maybe into next. I mean, I expect every week to probably see an increase because there just continues to be increased buzz of who, what, when, where, and how. Um, of course, noting the you know, rumors of, of, of guys uh, showing up. So uh, that, that that's going to play into the favor. I think obviously the key is going to be offered. Can't, what, what will they do after Mania? You know, will, it, will this truly be the biggest WrestleMania ever? You know, or one of the biggest. Obviously, it's two nights and it's in, it's in Jerry's world. You know, What's going to happen after? Will, will any stars have been made? Or is it going to be much of the same where maybe the night after all is a big deal, but then that week after all, Brock and everybody else have gone back home. And now, you know, we turn back to, you know, the regularly scheduled program. So that's a lot to watch for, but exciting times. And uh, finally, somebody who will uh, not be on Raw, won't be at WrestleMania, but he uh, is soon to be on Dynamite, we uh, hear. And that is former WWE superstar uh, Swerve. Of course, you know him as Isaiah Swerve Scott. You know him as uh, Shane Swerve Strickland. Uh, he is going to be going to AEW. This according to Fightful Select. Swerve is uh, expected to begin with AEW uh, in March. So uh, this is a, I, I think this is a good get. I mean, obviously, Swerve is just one of many names that continue to show up in AEW. So that's something to be of concern for. But in terms of you know AEW's quality and who they're deciding to sign, this is certainly an A-plus signing. Yeah, and Swerve Scott has got all the talent in the world. And you know, I was telling Nick Hausman earlier today on the Daily Pod that I was thought – Hit Row was going to change the wrestling world. I was very excited for their prospects, and a lot of that was because of Swerve Scott being the glue and the guy who was going to be showcased as just this great wrestler, which he is, and now he's going to get an opportunity to AEW. I'm excited for Swerve Scott, but, I mean, there's a lot of talent coming, as we'll get into on the show, and AEW doesn't do the best job at follow-up. They're really good at the debuts, but sometimes you'll see people fall off on the wayside and just go away for a while, and I wouldn't like to see Swerve Scott on the opposite side of that, but I am happy he's going to be getting some type of opportunity because he's very talented yeah um and I, I think you know one of the issues obviously is like you said of the follow-up is that they again they have so many they have these second and they have these secondary shows and rampage is included in that and then and then what they do on on youtube and i know like like uh, andrade i think he's a perfect example 
he's somebody who you know like just i mean i you know like and i know that he has a match on rampage and i know like so i know they're still using him each week but you know we can't stress enough dynamite is where your bread and butter is dynamite's what's getting a million viewers like that's that's where you're gonna be measured at um in terms of you know if these featured talents so yeah we'll see we'll see where, where swerve fits in there but uh excited to see him excited to see him with you know essentially no restrictions and just yeah. go out and, and, and be swerve so we'll take a look all right let's jump into uh, aew dynamite tonight coming to you from bridgeport connecticut that is key later on uh we start off with a tag team battle royal uh, and again if you are unfamiliar with the tag team battle royal on aew uh it's where you have both members of the tag team and uh the tag team is not officially eliminated until both guys get thrown over the top so this is of course to see who's going to uh you know who's going to jump in and be part uh, of chasing that tag team gold which is being held by jungle boy and luchasaurus who are on top of the ramp watching all this go down and the big story here is of course it boils down to red dragon with kyle o'reilly and bobby fish and uh their their awkward friends uh that is the young bucks of course adam cole stuck in the middle of all that here well uh matt jackson he's trying to uh eliminate um he's trying to make an elimination happen here and uh, he's trying to eliminate kyle o'reilly and then as he's doing that um oh sorry i got backed up Kyle O'Reilly ends up eliminating Matt Jackson as he was yes. trying to eliminate John Silver. There we go. So uh, right there, uh, just mistrust there of, of Red Dragon and Young Bucks, who actually did work together throughout the match at some point. So this, of course, creates that tension. Uh, Bucks and Red Dragon in each other's faces. Here comes Hangman Adam Page. He's out there to get hands on Red Dragon, a little bit of revenge there. Uh, Bucks do nothing to help. And then Adam Cole comes out, and he fails to hit the super kick on Hangman Adam Page. Of course, these two are going to have a world title match at revolution uh what do you think of the tag team battle royal and uh okay with the finish yeah i'm okay with the finish it did extend what is going to be the overarching storyline between young bucks kyle o'reilly and uh bobby fish and also the world title feud so i thought it was good that they kind of intertwined those storylines and i felt like the crowd really elevated this battle royal. i didn't think it was anything necessarily special but the crowd was really there for it and even when they were teasing some of these potential face-offs like a uh, nod to the parking lot brawl or ftr and young Bucks, people were really with it and it made them come off as stars i thought it was very funny how it came down like the final six but they were all like the alpha members of their tag team it was like yeah. matt jackson is the older young buck and santana and uh, and i thought that was a, a fun little story to tell and you know i had no problem with this i thought the crowd really helped it yeah, the crowd did. You're right. They did pick up on uh, some of the subplots that were going on there. You know, I like the finish, of course. You know, with 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 Kyle O'Reilly <laughs> eliminating a buck. Um, so that's good. I mean, obviously, and that's going to eventually be at a tipping point with those two tag teams. Um, what kind of stood out to me in this whole segment, though, is like I said, Adam Cole comes out to trying to get you know trying to get a sneak shot into uh, Hangman Page. I think Adam Cole is more over as a babyface than Hangman Adam Page is, and that's that's a bit. I mean, that's great for Adam Cole. He's just a star. But, I mean, it's almost making me question, like, you know, Hangman Adam Page was the hottest act there for a minute. He had people chanting and just clamoring for him to, you know, get his hands on Kenny, get, you know, get that world title. And they didn't really ride that wave too long until they decided to put him now against Adam Cole. And I think Adam Cole's kind of stealing his uh, his babyface thunder. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't know if that's going to – I'd be curious to see what that's going to do in the long term here and, and what AEW does in terms of response. Do they, do they respond to it? Do they pivot, you know, do they, do they have Adam Cole become a babyface on the babyface side of the fence quicker than they otherwise would have? Do they fight against it and try to make people – like I don't know. But I, but Cole, to me, is, gets, gets a lot of pop than you – know, he is the Adam with the bigger pop. Yeah, I will I will acknowledge that, that he – Adam Page is the other Adam in terms of this. And I don't know what's going on with Hangman Adam Page because he is having good matches. Um, he's still relatively popular, but there was just that time when he was chasing where it felt like he was the biggest star in AEW. And since winning that title, it has not at all seemed like that. Um, even when you see, like, we'll see a promo later on tonight with Jericho, and he's just kind of listing off all the people in AEW. And Hangman Adam Page is last. He was almost listed as a throwaway when you would imagine – it would be kind of the first banner person being listed. And I, that's how I feel like he's being portrayed. He is in a main event. He is by name the world champion. He does not feel like that, not even in his own storyline. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, and then we do, I'll just jump ahead real quick. We do get uh, later on the show a backstage of the Bucks kind of, uh, you know, uh, you know, confronting Red Dragon. And, and, and that was a, you know, that was a betrayal. And, and uh, that's Adam, Adam Cole stuck in the middle. So we'll see. Eventually this is going to come to a head. Uh, between uh, between these two teams, and Adam's going to have to choose whose side will he be on. 
Uh, Jenna Ness, $1.99. Jenna says, will anyone be in Vegas? My man and I are going. Well, that's exciting. Uh, still a little bit too far away for me to map out if that's going to happen. But yeah, AEW uh, having a big, big, big weekend in Vegas in May, which is, which is, that's becoming a staple for them with double or nothing, which is exciting. Yeah. I was going to wait till they came to California, but I haven't really heard anything mentioned on that front. So I might be there. It's just in May and Vegas is not far at all from LA. So I might be there. Oh, this is nasty in Vegas. <laughs> Under disguise, of course, but I might be there. <laughs> he is packed with his manscaped. He's, packed. <laughs> He's ready to go. Ready to go. Uh, you know it. Best in the smokers world, $5. Best duo on the podcast. I don't have Twitter, but I listen to you guys when I'm walking the dog after every show. Much love to you. Peace. I'll thank you very oh, much. Yeah. Appreciate that. We appreciate it. Yeah, as, as best uh, in the smokers world just did. I always encourage, normally it's towards the end of the show, so maybe if you tune out by that point, I always encourage, please tweet us, chat us, whatever, uh, however you like to consume this podcast, what you're doing, where, where you're at in the world. Uh, love to hear it. We're all, we're all connected together worldwide. So love to hear it. All right, backstage, we get uh, Tony Schiavone with Brian Danielson, and he's talking about Daniel Garcia. He says, you know, Daniel Garcia reminds him a little bit of himself when he was younger, except for, you know, Brian had mentorship like William Regal. And here's uh, Daniel Garcia hanging out, being mentored by 2.0, who obviously didn't train him and mentor him well enough. Uh, interesting William Regal drop. I'm not going to lie. I yeah. kind of circled that, and I was like, William Regal's out there now. He's a free agent. He's got his own pro wrestling tea store. Uh, is he going to be? Is he going to be a corner man? I mean, they, AE, Tony Khan loves to give the veteran guys Tully, Jake. He loves to let them all be corner men. Uh, I, I, why not put Regal with Brian? It'd be a great fit. It would be great to, at the very least, have him as a consultant, somebody who Tony Khan could reach out to. Because you know, I think Tony Khan is doing a relatively good job as a booker, but he can use a mentor. You know, there's just so much to know about pro wrestling. And William Regal, I can't think of anybody who'd be a better mentor for somebody like Tony Khan than William Regal. Mentioned William Regal. Brian also had training from uh, Shawn Michaels, uh, but Shawn Michaels not too popular uh, in the last 24 hours no. on Twitter. <laughs> not with a couple of people in FTR, that's for sure. <laughs> All right. Up next, uh, a very talked about promo. MJF comes to the ring. He's looking pretty defeated. Uh, this is the first time MJF's really ever on AEW ever kind of shown this. You know, he's always full of confidence and he is defeated. He's frustrated. And I'll try to. I'll try to summarize this as effective as I can without leaving out anything critical. So he's references again the photo that CM Punk showed the week prior. Punk showed a photo of a adolescent MJF meeting CM Punk at a, at a signing, you know, years ago, many years ago, and he talks about how and Punk had said, "Oh, that's just another Friday." And uh, MJF, that was he's really bothered by this, and he basically tells a story uh, of being a kid, you know, with no friends, with learning disabilities, and you know, f- you know finally, you know tries football gets on the football team thinks he finally found his place thinks he's found his people thinks he's part of the team part of the guys and then he's getting bullied by them he's just an outcast with them um you know talks about then what pro wrestling becomes to him and becomes important to him uh that was not just another friday for him that was you know a key thing in his life loves pro wrestling loves cm punk and then references how uh punk you know Again, talking about when he walked out of the business in January of 2014, leaving WWE, and that he he quit, and he quit on people like MJF, who you know, who bought him his house for for being a loyal fan and, and what have you. And you're nothing but a quitter. Um, and at Revolution, you're gonna have your match, and you're just gonna quit there too. Um, and then Punk comes out, no music or nothing comes out. You know, makes it seem like he's coming out, you know, off the script, so to speak. Not on the mic or anything, just audible enough for the camera to pick it up. He's looking at MJF, who's just bared his soul alfred and, and and punk's asking is that true is all that true is that is this really the backstory is this really what you know is, is, is bothering you and mjf just kind of says it's true and then he walks off um I, alfred I, i'll just open-ended it to you uh thoughts to this this is a, this is this is a, a, a quite the, the, the decision yeah it, it was quite the decision but i thought mjf pulled it off i thought he was phenomenal in this and just looking down the line, this is going to be better for MJF as a sociopath because at the end of the day, if this is the MJF character that I know, he's full of crap. He's making this up to try to draw in CM Punk, but he was out there crying. And the whole time I'm thinking, okay, where is the swerve coming? What, what is going to happen? But he committed to this. And the idea that this character, even as scummy as he is, is able to get sympathy from Tony Schiavone on commentary, who said he felt bad for MJF. And now CM Punk, being the babyface that he is, feeling a little bad and concerned, uh, I'm going to be very excited when MJF throws this back in his face, which I hope is where this goes. But I thought it was a great performance from MJF. 
Yeah, um, it, it, it was quite the decision. It, it was uh, quite the decision. I thought MJF. I, I like the promo. I, 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 as I stand now, I don't know if I like the punk coming out and then the are. Is it true? This and that. Um, but maybe I will once I see how the follow up and play out is. Because yeah, my my, my guess I would think Alfred is, you know, Punk's going to show a little bit of vulnerability. He's going to try to, you know, reach Max. I, I don't know, but. MJF's gonna uh, yeah swerve him. He's gonna attack him. He's gonna he's gonna use that that brief bit of vulnerability to to pounce. And then I can just picture the most obnoxious promo. You know you you know you dipshits. I've never had a disability in my life. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm IQ of this and and I and everybody on the football team wanted me. I I had every single one of their girlfriend. Like I mean I think it's, he 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 will just spin every single thing around. Um you know but I, I don't know but but. It, it has me talking, so I, I certainly don't mind them doing it. It was not a failure. It was just it, I just cannot go back. I just keep going back to say it was a choice. They certainly made a yeah. choice here because MJF is the most heated babyface, or some heated heel. CFC and Punk, who, who it was obviously a you know very over babyface, they didn't need to do this. They could have just kind of been as simple as just keep doing what they've been doing in past weeks with MJF just being cocky and what he is and taking advantage of Wardlow and then Punk could, I mean, they, they didn't really have to do anything different. This match has so much sizzle already. Uh, you already want to see MJF tethered to Punk with, uh, to, and with a dog collar. So I'm just surprised. This is, I think just a little bit of a risk, but it could pay off and it could elevate the story even more so, but I am surprised they're doing it. So. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at this like, let's see where it, what follows up because they've been a, it's been a good storyline, I think, from week to week. Like, this is pretty much the inverse of what we saw last week where CM Punk got to do all the talking and MJF just kind of walked off. And so I have enough faith in this feud that I'm giving this another week. Alone, all alone, obviously, it's a little weird to see MJF go this route because this is usually not something he does to seek sympathy like this and commit to it the whole way. So I'm just kind of looking at this like, okay, well, now I'm interested to see what comes next week because there has to be some kind of follow-up. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll see what they have. Also, I can tell you what they have is Manscaped. They got some good stuff for you. Hey, by the way, can I get a round of applause? We get a round of applause here. Today, I'm excited to announce that Manscaped launched their ultra premium collection. Believe it or not, it's for you. Not so private parts. That's right. Not so private parts. We don't. It's not all just about the below the waist grooming. It's you as a whole. It's everything. I'm talking about a leveled up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent. This is an all-in-one skin and hair kit for the everyday man and covers you from head to toe, literally. Manscaped, trusted below the waist, now trust them with the rest. Join the 4 million men worldwide, two of them right here, who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com. And if you do that, if you go to manscaped.com, use that code WINC20, and you're going to get 20% off plus free shipping we all know how essential the manscaped lawnmower 4.0 is uh with the precise trim below the waist i've talked about it for weeks and months here that's still key but now you can enhance your perfect grooming routine with the ultra premium collection this package includes manscaped premium deodorant no not for your balls just the stinky armpits you get the the deodorant dries clear it's aluminum free and smells like the signature scent you get the hydrating body moisturizer. If you have tattoos or issues with dry skin, I actually deal with both of them. It's designed to help to keep the skin feeling clean, smooth, and smelling fresh. Body wash to lather you up with their infused aloe vera and sea salt, sea salt shower gel. Two-in-one shampoo and conditioner to clean your scalp with an easy one step. Plus a free gift, a three-pack set of lip balm that's made with ingredients such as vitamin E, peppermint, and eucalyptus oil to keep those chappers feeling moist. I said moist. That's four products plus a gift inside the Ultra Premium Collection. What a score, Alfred. All of these products are cruelty-free, uh, vegan-friendly, and dye-free. The best ingredients with zero compromise. Uh, I mean, th- this is it. I mean, they, so they are just expanding the Manscaped empire here. I love it. They're going to be shaving everything sooner or later, and I'm for it. Let's just shave. Yeah. The more shaving, the better. Yeah, again, the Ultra Premium Collection. Uh, you can go check it out on the website, manscaped.com. Uh, save 20% plus free shipping. I'll, I will be completely honest, as I always am about Manscaped, because I like to make it authentic. Uh, the Some of the new stuff that's in this new collection, it is in route to me today. I got the confirmation from them, so I can't give you any of my trials just yet on these. I will hopefully by next week, but I'm certainly reading the information about it, and I'm very excited, like I said, about the, you know, the dry skin and the moisturizer, the lip balm. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this because their products up to this point have never failed. Everything they told me the product's going to do as advertised delivers and then more. So, 
Uh, check back next Wednesday. I'll give you a little bit of a, of a Manscaped review. But I'm very excited about these new, uh, these, these new, this new, this new package, new premium collection, ultra premium collection. I can't wait to hear about that. WINC twenty save twenty percent plus free shipping. Manscaped.com. And of course, as always, we thank them for the support of this podcast. All right, let's uh, let's get back to wrestling, will we? All right, MJF Punk. So we'll we'll kind of we'll kind of put that aside. But I don't. I'm going to say this. I don't know if that was. I don't know if it was the best promo of the night because we have another promo later that we'll get to. So oh, we'll see. Sure, yeah, I we'll, we'll wait, debate. Yeah. We'll debate what's uh, what is what here. Um, all right. Nathaniel Cook, dollar ninety nine. Santana and Montez Ford are stars. Love you guys. Agreed. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, Montez Ford. Uh, Santana. Yeah, Montez Ford. Uh, he is. He's just got future superstar written all over him. Yeah, and he was knighted by The Rock recently. It's it's all there yeah. for the taking. Hell yeah. Uh, Stephen Marcacilli, four ninety nine. Thank you, Stephen. Cross a better fit for AEW or WWE or staying on the independents. Uh, if you mean Killer Cross, I mean. I mean, I guess how how do you say WWE with the way they used them for the yeah <laughs> for the few weeks they did be anywhere near there? No, I mean I'm gonna AEW. I'd like to see him there. It's not gonna happen, at least not in the media, because Cross is advertised for some other places. So, um, but just based upon what we saw of him in NXT, the entrance, the presentation, again, I'd like to think you know that there would be some kind of potential to see him in AEW as, as that version. And of course, he's. You know, killer, you know, people prefer Killer Cross versus Carrying Cross, um, but we'll see. But again, as, as we said earlier, talking about uh, Swerve, I mean, uh, where <laughs> when does the bench fill up? When is the, when is there no yeah. more? When is there no more pine <laughs> to even sit on? That might have happened already, and maybe AEW doesn't realize it. But to the point about being on the Indies, there's still a void for a couple of alphas on the Indies. I mean, whenever AEW decides that they've signed too many, or, or it becomes apparent that both AEW and WWE have filled their pines, then there could be people who can fill the voids of a Keith Lee, of a you know Swerve Scott, who was very big on the Indies, to go out there and become an alpha and make a good living there in that AJ Styles type role before AJ Styles went to WWE, but really helped him build that head of steam that made him such a big star going to WWE was that he was the alpha of the Indies. He went to New Japan. He was doing some stuff with Impact. He's doing stuff all over the country and some of the best wrestling in the world. And uh, whether it's him or whether it was Drew Galloway before he became Drew McIntyre, there's room for alphas on the Indies. Uh, you know, and and to that point, uh, there's we've seen the go be the alpha in the Indies, and then sometimes there is a return to WWE, and it's a much better. Um, so I guess we can never rule that fully out, but I'd have to think that, you know, if he if he ever made the choice to go back to WWE, he's gonna want some some guarantees in writing. I think yeah. so. I'll say some uh, assurances. You're not gonna give me that damn <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> gladiator helmet. Keep that mask away from me. I don't even get to see it. I don't care. Oh man. <laughs> All right. Well, some more uh, guys uh, who have once upon a time been in WWE, then now AEW. Uh, in this next match, we get the um, Kings of the Black Throne. Uh, Brody King and uh, Malachi Black, uh, pretty cool entrance they have there, uh, up against Pack, and then a repackaged Penta. Uh, I never took Spanish, I always took French. What's the last name now? Oscur- uh, Penta uh, Oscuro. Okay. It means dark in Spanish. Okay. Oscuro. All right, I needed you or Issa or somebody to get in on the Yeah, Issa's in the chat. Let us know if we're doing it right. <laughs> uh, pretty cool uh, entrance and repackage. Uh, had a, you know, I had a, had a, Penta taker feel kind of to it. Yeah, dude, with the shovel and the tombstone and everything. Yeah, but uh, but overall pretty good. And he, I like this, you know, again this next iteration of Penta. Um, he's going to uh, Malachi Black's going to go to spit at Penta, the mist, and Penta covers his mouth and forces Black, who then like starts choking on his own mist, which I thought was a nice touch of the cell uh, to this mist, uh, and that allows um, Penta to roll Malachi Black up. So Penta does get the victory, but after the fact. Uh, as we see Black choking on the miss, um, Brody King, they start uh, attacking Penta and, and Pack. Lights go out. Lights come back up. It's Buddy Matthews, formerly known as Buddy Murphy in WWE. And uh, Malachi Black, he's selling it like crazy. This Like he's seen a ghost, they say, on commentary. And Buddy's getting a, a holy shit chant. And, and, of course, there's history between Buddy and Black uh, going back into the WWE time and, and, and what have you. So uh, holy shit chants. And then all of a sudden, Buddy turns and starts to aggressively beat up Penta and Pack, so it looks like he is joined the House of Black. What'd you think of another debut? 
Yeah, and uh, he was received like a major star. I mean, talent-wise, it's always been there, and I don't think anybody questions that. But Buddy Matthews, when he was Buddy Murphy, was not booked at this level, but I think people always respected his talent. And coming in, it was a huge reaction, I felt, and I'm very surprised that Tony Khan, who has an affinity for promoting some of these big debuts, and we even saw them get a good number out of Keith Lee's debut for being this mystery, uh, had nothing to say in terms of there's going to be a special debut. Tonight, you should tune in for this, that, and the other. Nothing mentioned of this. So this was a legitimate surprise of Buddy Matthews. And I'm watching this thinking, okay, this is good. I mean, he's another guy coming from WWE to AEW who's hopefully going to get a better shot here. But, I mean, you look at even Malachi Black, who I thought was looking like a top star when he came in the first couple of months. And now, to be honest, in a mid-card tag team feud. And I'm looking at Buddy Matthews. It's like, well, what's his ceiling going to be now that he's coming in? I hope they have some plans for him. But it's good to see him here. I just, uh, I'm very skeptical uh, skeptical in terms of AEW being able to put all of these guys over. Yeah, uh, you're right. There was no tease that there was going to be a surprise, uh, you know, a debut or a surprise. And sometimes that's the. I, I know it. I know it's nice to get that buzz and generate that buzz and what have you. But sometimes it. Sometimes it, when there's no bar of expectation, it just makes it easy. In this case, for Buddy to clear it because you weren't expecting it. I do agree. He obviously is super. You know, we saw at times when WWE would allow it, he was super talented. I mean, you know, he you know. Again, story of a lot of guys at WWE he didn't have the best creative. I mean, he was at one time, but dating Rey Mysterio's yeah, daughter yeah. was it was him, right? You know, so like, and yeah, and he was never booked any higher than that. So it does kind of surprise me. I know AEW's fans uh, just traditionally are just smarter, more invested fans. Uh, but he, you know, again, this is not like a guy that was like ever held a you know ever held any big titles or anything. So I was kind of and it's, we've and it's been a while since he had been seen on TV. It's not like he again, not like he, it's not like this is day. 91 from his release i mean i think he's been out there for a little bit it feels like um so i i'm I'm surprised happy for him but i am surprised that the place went that crazy and gave him that much of a reaction before he even moved a muscle again good on him and that's a good start so we'll see what happens but uh, yeah another another roster spot occupied here so buddy uh buddy matthews as we'll have to get used to saying AEW's training to that fantasy football player who just hoards running backs, which I'm that guy in every one of my leagues, so deal with it. <laughs> you, you would be that guy. I that. <laughs> yeah, I would. You would be that guy. You're like, you, you haven't drafted a quarterback till round four. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You just got a way on quarterback, and then I just take all the running backs and wide receivers. Uh, all right, up next we get the uh, confrontation, the verbal showdown. Between Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho, Kingston's out first. There are some securities uh, members in the ring that Jericho has brought out there. Uh, Jericho comes out. Of course, he's got the crowd singing with him. Uh, again, I'll try to summarize this with, with, with you know without missing any of the key points. Uh, he starts off by calling uh, you know it's, you know Jericho saying you know look at you Eddie. I mean you look like a street thug. You know um, it, Eddie fires back and says you know this this is a pro wrestling show, Chris. I'm not I'm not. This isn't sports entertainment. Uh, Jericho, of course, they're in Bridgeport, Connecticut, says, well, you know, Stanford is right down the street. You know, maybe I'll go down the street, except the fact is that this, you know, that sports entertainment, there's nothing entertaining about it. Taking a little shot at WWE. Jericho then tells a story about Eddie Kingston. He says he heard all this, all this talk in the locker room about Eddie Kingston, Eddie Kingston, when Eddie was coming to AEW. And Jericho said, I didn't know who the hell he was. I thought it was Eddie Edwards. Is that who they're talking about? Didn't know who he was. And he's not surprised because he looks like a jobber. But then he said when Eddie had that match against what's-his-name, Cody Rhodes, uh, he, he, he could see how good Eddie was, and he, and, he, and he connected with Eddie's promo. He said, so Eddie is good. He said, but the thing is, Jericho doesn't give two shits about the sob story of, of Eddie's, you know, not making it till he's 38. Jericho says, you know, he was on TV by the time he was 23, and Jericho notes all the things he did by the time he was age 38. Uh, Eddie then challenges him to a fight. Uh, at the pay-per-view, Jericho says that he's going to fight him, but he's going to fight him, but he knows that he can't beat him because Eddie is a, a fear has a fear of success. Eddie's afraid if he does get to the top of the mountain, how he's going to fall right back off the top of it. Uh, but Jericho says that if Eddie can beat him, he will look him in his eye and he will shake his hand if that actually happens. Eddie then finishes with, bring that Chris Jericho. Bring the Chris Jericho that won the respect of one of Eddie's heroes, Tenru. Uh, bring the Chris Jericho that bled buckets in Tennessee. Bring the Chris Jericho that at one time Levesque hated, making a reference to Triple H. So, and he had a few other ones, but basically noting that if Chris doesn't bring that level of his game, Eddie says, "I'm going to eat you alive." Alfred, this is the best promo of the night. 
I said what 100%. I said. We got the main event an hour early. I thought this, this should have been the main event segment. I've been clamoring to see these two in the ring talking for weeks now, and they finally gave it to us. They used a very similar template to CM Punk and Eddie Kingston, where Jericho is this legacy established superstar who's been around the world and looks down on Eddie Kingston. And they're now telling that similar story with Eddie Kingston again, which I like the consistency. I just hope Eddie Kingston wins this time around because it is becoming a theme for whenever they need something to say about Eddie Kingston. It's, oh, well, you're not ready for the big time. You can't win the big one. But he's such a man of the people that I think it goes beyond that. And I think it would be such a huge moment if he got this biggest win of his career. I think people would really love it. And, you know, Jericho is clearly, it was subtle, and it continues to be subtle, but he's clearly going heel. And I felt like he was really embodying more of a heel, bringing the security and kind of looking down on Eddie Kingston and saying things that I feel like were very hard to get this type of crowd behind him. He was more playing the WWE guy who's been there, done that. And Eddie Kingston was playing an everyman. And I think he does that better than anybody. Yeah, I mean, having said what Jericho said, I don't think there's any way around this. If Jericho doesn't lose, if, if, if Kingston doesn't go over in this match at Revolution, then how can how can Kingston come back from everything that Jericho just told the audience? Yeah. If, if, if Eddie doesn't prove him wrong, you might as well just get rid of Eddie Kingston because you've just you've you've just buried any anything else for him to do. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I, and I do think Eddie Kingston will win. I, I think that I think they I think they that's the only reason they went out and cut this aggressive of a promo of saying you look like a job or you're a failure, your dad, your uncle, you're like that, that's, that's the only solution is ready now to go out there uh, and, and beat uh, Chris's ass. <laughs> he says, was he demon diva? She goes, why did Jericho age shame Kingston? He's 80. Uh, yeah, it was 38. 38 not even that old. I mean, he kept saying 38 years old. Like it was a bad thing. Well, he's making the point of, again, by the time he was 38, all the things right. that he had done, you know, that's he was, he was a uh, career shaming uh career timeline shaming uh <laughs> uh eddie kingston's yeah i think this is the best promo exchange of the night again i'm not i'm not trying to rag on the mjf one i'm just saying everybody was like so like oh my god mjf you give him an oscar i just think this was even better i think this is better than that i think i think i think what was accomplished was better uh personally i mean this i mean this has got to be the top three of the matches i'm looking forward to seeing yeah at uh revolution is, is chris jericho versus eddie mm-hmm. kingston so We'll see what happens in the next few weeks as they continue to build to that. All right, we get a uh, face of the Revolution ladder match qualify max match. It's Ricky Starks up against uh, Ten from the Dark Order, and uh, Starks wins. And uh, now Team Taz has two guys. He has Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs in the ladder match. And still, I don't think Team Taz is going to pull it out, even though the full field's not developed. I just uh, I don't think those odds are going to play in the favor. No, they got the numbers on their side, but uh, that's about all they have on their side. So it looks like it's going to be a two-hoss fight between Wardlow and Keith Lee. Uh, yeah. Uh, Christopher Th- uh, Thacker, thank you. $2. Uh, can Jericho or even Mox go heel with their theme? It, it's it's a That's a fair point. I, I think with Jericho, I think... I'd have to think he, he would change the music if he's going to... If he's going to... He's still in that... He's still in that transitional phase... Where he's playing, he's playing to the crowd, and I'm just trying to tell you guys like it is. But I think if he is going to go full on fledged heel, I think he knows. I mean, this is a guy that always knows to reinvent himself and what to do and what not to do. I think he knows he would have to, um, you know, switch the music. Maybe he maybe if he comes out to no music at all. How infuriating that be! See that? Yeah, we're not getting the music. We're on the verge of Jericho transitioning into what is I think is going to be known as the influencer. This next nickname for his next gimmick is going to be the influencer. And I don't think that's going to come with music. And he even did the whole hit my music, which is kind of a heel line. And maybe that'll tie into it where he says, don't hit my music. And then he walks away. Yeah, maybe Kingston beats him and, and he, you know. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, he, Jericho can't get mad at the fans for liking Kingston because he even noted in the promo tonight. He goes, I, I saw you. He goes, I could tell that you were going to become a baby face and the people were going to like you. And that's exactly what's happened. Um, to which Eddie snapped back, what's a baby face? Which I thought was a nice little line. Eddie feels very, and I thought Jericho did a good job navigating this because Eddie feels very natural on the mic. Like at any moment, he's going to jump in. It's not planned that you go and then I go and then you go. There were moments where it seemed like Eddie was champing at the bit to get in his words, which I think made it seem more real. I think that's one of the things that sets him apart. Absolutely. And I, and I, from what I've learned about Eddie, because I'm, I'm a little bit like Jericho. I knew, I knew of Eddie Kingston and I, you know, and I knew that he was well-traveled. I knew that he had a, a kind of an underground just, following but i i did not know his full story really it was the, the piece he did in the players tribune really opened my eyes of um uh, appreciation and respect to eddie uh and, and his path and his journey 
and just from all that, I don't think that Eddie would. This is why he'll never be in WWE. I don't think Eddie would tolerate any other way. I, I don't think he, you know. I think he will just tolerate you know Tony Khan saying, right, "We got to make sure we get that." There's going to be a match at Revolution out between you two, but like Eddie's just going to talk when he wants to talk. And, and and you're right, it does feel organic. It does feel like at any point he's just going to start a brawl at some at some time. Yeah. Um. All right, uh, Jade Cargill. Undefeated Jade Cargill up against the Bunny. Uh, Bunny's going to you know, be a little competitive. We're actually going to get Money Matt outside. He, Hardy's trying to toss the brass knuckles. Uh, Smart Mark tries to slide in the title. Jade uses the title to stop uh, the Bunny from hitting her with the knuckles. Both uh, Hardy and Smart Mark are going to get thrown out by the referee. Uh, ultimately, though, Jade is going to win, and we go to the screen. They got the graphic ready for it. 28 and oh, uh, so uh, she then cuts a post match promo. Who's next? Yeah, and the Colbert chants erupt. And she goes, Who's next? Who's left? And then Ty Conti comes out, and Ty Conti answers. Jay kind of gives her a kiss on the forehead. We brawl, and a Jake, I don't know, it, it got kind of a little bit sloppy after this point. But what you need to know is Jay Carr goes 28 and oh, she says, Who's next? And Ty Conti says, it's, She's next. Goldberg is a free agent. Just throwing that <laughs> out there. It's been out there. And she knows what she's doing. I, I love I love this. I think this is great use of Jade Cargill. The match wasn't too long, and I thought they worked well. I think Buddy is very good and very underrated. And they even had a nice near fall there that I think got some people going. I thought they did a good job with that false finish. I mean, you knew Jade Cargill was going to win, but they did a really good job with that near fall with those titles and the brass knucks. No, they did. Yes, Jade was totally distracted and thrown off by the by smart market and thrown out. And, yeah, the way it, the way that falsely went and even the way they timed it, it was like it had that that count. Like, oh, my God, this is the count. This is the one. So um, I think it's Aubrey. I've always said Aubrey's the best rep they have. So shout out to – to Aubrey on that. Um, yeah, th- this was a, a you know, Jay Cargo looks like a stud. Uh, she's still very young, but I mean, they're they're I think they're masking as best they can any any shortcomings in terms of how her matches are looking. Um, you know, the entrance and everything. I was surprised. I kind of was waiting. They they for the entrance that there's a delay of her coming out from the tunnel, yeah. and they kind of focused in on the center. And if you remember Cody's farewell comments and his statements, he said, "Give Jade the." The Cody Vader, the the the, the elevator that, that that the Cody would rise up from and have a special entrance. I kind of thought we were going to see Jade rise up and have now her own version of a special entrance, but uh, that did not happen. So but, maybe uh, they were trying it; it didn't work, and so they had to scramble. I wonder because, like, the, even the graphic, the graphic, the way it was like it was like a lightning. Like it kind of seemed like she was going to pop up, and then and then they called an audible. It seemed like they called an audible, and they went to a full screen of the graphics for a second, then they went yeah. back. So I don't know. Maybe yeah, maybe maybe they were trying for it and. Uh, Cody's Cody Vader only works for him. Maybe. I don't know. What do you make of the Goldberg reference? Is this just Jay making the obvious comparison, or is there going to be more to this? What, what, yeah, I, mean, I think. I think yeah, I think there's a little trolling job. I think if you look at look look at several things, are a little bit of a troll job. I mean, Tony Khan had said like weeks or months ago, like Jay's the. She, he made some comparison to the Goldberg thing. Like she's there hasn't been a, somebody booked better that's since Goldberg. Which you know, yeah. let's re- let's relax. But um, yeah, there's kind of the troll job there. They're throwing up a graphic that looks very similar to the Undertaker's when, like, he would win at Manias. So, I mean, I think there's a little troll job going on here. Of if, if it's you know, if you're a wrestling fan that ha- can remember some of these things, you're, you know, and so and she, I mean, she's supposed to be a heel. So, yeah, you know, I don't know. That's how I take about it. I just, I, I'm again. I think we all agree. The only end game here eventually is her versus Brit. I mean, that's that's the the only other. The woman that's on her level in terms of uh, in terms of what's a big money match. Um, that would be a huge match too. And is that something you'd want to put on TV like a TV special? Because I think that match does could do one of AEW's best numbers ever on TV if they just had that as a main event of a beach break or whatever one of these TV specials they do. I mean, I think that's something you do like in September. I think that's I think you know I think it's one of those ones where like you really let her you really let that that win count stack up and. You know, she keeps doing the who's next. She keeps doing the troll job, and you and you just keep bringing out every every girl you have until finally Britt's the one that answers it. And it's like, all right, here, here we go. The question is, at that point though, it likely be a title. You have a title versus a title situation. So I, you know, I don't know if they want that, but yeah, I don't know if you should put. I don't think they're obligated to put both titles on the line, but as a special challenge, as something where it's just champion versus, in the ilk of a Survivor Series, dare I say, where it's just for pride. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, it does right. That's how that works. Battle of the Networks. That bit show. TBS. <laughs> All right. Uh, main event time. Brian Danielson up against Daniel Garcia. 
Uh, this is a very physical, physical uh, match. And then, you know, talking about violence and all and the promos leading up to this throughout the night by both men. Brian does get the win with a triangle sleeper. Uh, after the fact, as he's trying to slowly get ready to put over Daniel Garcia and saying that, you know, kind of commending how tough and how much Daniel Garcia just brought it and challenged him just as he's trying to do that. 2.0 does attack Brian from behind. This enters uh, here. The, the music of wild thing. Here comes John Moxley. Uh, Moxley helps uh, take care of 2.0 and Daniel Garcia. Brian stops Garcia from hitting Moxley the chair. And Brian then says, uh, you know, you, you said that you don't team with anybody until you bleed with them. He goes, well, uh, come revolution. Uh, we'll have a match, but you might be the only one bleeding. Uh, so now we have that match, Brian Danielson versus John Moxley, uh, to earn each other's uh, respect and swap blood to see if they could be uh, a dynamic duo of a tag team moving forward. What'd you make of this being the main event? Uh, very interesting choice for main event. Again, this is something AEW does need to do is develop some of these younger guys, some of these guys that they see something in like uh, Daniel Garcia. I expect Brian Danielson to face Wheeler Yuta. That's the only one next because he did name drop Wheeler Yuta in terms of a stable he'd want to be in. But, you know, they did uh, the worst number of the year last week with 869,000. And I think it's going to be a long road back to 1 million because this one I, I expect just based on this being the main event, probably going to do around 900,000 is what they're going to be looking at. Uh, and nowhere close to that big, massive number they did a couple of weeks ago. So a very interesting choice for a main event, I will say. Yeah, you know, all day today, you know, I'm you know, do my days. Okay, what do I have going on? Of course, I always know Wednesday, I'm, you, you and I are in, in the night uh, talking about this. And I was thinking, okay, what's on AEW tonight? And I'm looking and, you know, I, I did not, I knew, I was like, all right, this is not, even with a uh, unexpected, you know, it, I was like, all right, this is not going to be one of their bigger shows. It just doesn't just just by way by what they are and are not advertising. It's interesting. Some of the best parts of this show were not advertised at all. The MJF promo it was not advertised that MJF had you know was going to finally respond to Punk after you know being completely silent silenced by Punk last week. Obviously, the surprise and and, and uh, Buddy Matthews, of course, a surprise. I didn't know that's happening. They promoted that Jericho and Kingston were going to have a confrontation, and I was looking forward to that. Um, I did not realize that that was going to be the best thing on the show. I, I just that I didn't. You know, they, they just did a great job. And it's like, I understand, again, that they are a pro, they love pro wrestling. They like this to be a pro wrestling show. So I understand the want to end with a pro wrestling match in Brian Danielson and Daniel Garcia. But I just do think that there are, there are so many weeks that we finished Dynamite. And I go, I just think that this would have been a better ending. Like that, you know, this thing over here would have been better over as the ending. And look, they oftentimes are taping Rampage after Dynamite. So it's not like... You know, oh, you end Dynamite with a promo, you know, you need more to send the fans home happy. No, you're going to roll out and give them some matches after the fact so you can send them happy that way. Um, I think it's okay if, you know, if that MJF thing would have been the last main, you know, or, or if the Kingston Jericho, Kingston Jericho, I mean, if I, I think you can end with high emotions, you know, and let that be what you go off the air with. It doesn't have to be a, a match. Yeah, I didn't even need to see any more of Dynamite and to know that they should have ended with Kingston and Jericho when that was over. I was thinking, like, that was great and all, but that should have been the finish uh, above all else. I think it's something that people would have been looking forward to the most and would have gone off at the biggest high in terms of a television viewer watching this. Yeah. So, I mean, again, we obviously have the, you know, we have the luxury again of, of Monday morning quarterback in this thing, you know, you know, an hour after it's done. But, uh, you know, Tony's con's got to make the decision and live with it. And uh, it is what it is. I mean, I, I, I am glad at least at least the Moxley thing happened after the match, because when I'm watching Danielson and Garcia, I'm like, this can't just be it. Like we had and then they ended. They had three minutes to go. I'm like, all right, there's got to be some kind of gaga. It's going to go on. And so that was good. Yeah. But yeah, just overall, I just feel like some of the things they happen to put in the front end of the show is the best stuff. And, you know, it's just the trends downward after that so yeah maybe they're looking to capitalize on that big bang leading <laughs> well and that is always the biggest segment the, their first segment is always yeah. that, 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 that's another thing to watch their first segment's always their usually their best viewed segment i don't know if a tag team battle royal is going to be the i'll be curious to see how the how the segments and, and quarters break down um for this particular show because i don't know again i don't know if you're flicking through if, if you're if, if you go to dynamite after big bang theory if seeing a tag team battle royal is going to hold you. I don't know. So Yeah. And just having them all just run in the ring like that at the same time, it, it's a fun little visual, but I don't think it does much to grab the viewer like, oh, you're about to see something great. It's just kind of a bunch of guys going in there fighting. And, and if you're more of a casual viewer, you might not have any clue as to what they're fighting about. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're a casual viewer, this is kind of intimidating. There's a whole lot of guys, I mean, a whole yeah. lot of guys trying to figure out who's who. 
and, and who's what. So, all right, well, that was AEW Dynamite from Bridgeport, Connecticut. Again, they are on their road to Revolution, which is coming up on Sunday, March 6th. So a uh, rare Sunday pay-per-view for them. So we'll see uh, We'll see how that translates to the AEW fan base. But uh, a lot, a, a good card. The card's there. So uh card is there. they got a few more weeks to build to it. So we'll see what is there and what's left, who shows up next. All, all kinds of fun stuff to look at in the storylines for AEW Dynamite. Uh, Alfred, what do you got going on at Forbes? I had the pleasure today of speaking with the great Booker T. They say never meet your heroes, but I met Booker today, and he was fantastic. I'll have an interview with the next couple of days. He was a panelist in the Sports Key to Wrestling Award. So it's a little bit of a forbidden door situation, him talking about that, among other things. We had a great chat. Nice. When's, well, do you have the data when that's going to drop? Probably Saturday. We're looking at Saturday. Okay, very good. So, uh Check out Alfred's social media for, uh, by Saturday. I'm sure he'll have the links up there at Forbes with him and Booker T. That's a that's that's a conversation I'd like to sit yeah. in on as you two. Yeah. A lot you of two. fun. That's awesome. Uh, I'm at Justin Labar. Of course, uh, I'm here in Wrestling Inc. Uh, many nights a week. I've been busted open this Friday morning, 10 a.m. with Dave LeGrec and Mark Henry as I am every Friday. So lots of fun there. Uh, yeah, just hit the follow button, hit the comment, hit the share, hit the like, do everything. Tell a friend. We continue to see this podcast grow, which is awesome. Uh, I can only assume you guys are, are sharing the love and, and, and more people are finding out about the awesomeness that is the Wrestling Inc. podcast every single night. It's literally every night there is something, whether it is Raw, NXT, Dynamite. There's a catch-all show that's going on Thursday. There's SmackDown on Friday, uh, pay-per-views throughout the weekend. So literally just make sure you are subscribing to Wrestling Inc. on YouTube, on Twitch, audio feed, whatever your fancy is. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single one. Lots of great different dynamics and hosts uh, like Alfred and I on Wednesday night. So that's going to do it. We will talk to you next Wednesday after Dynamite here on Wrestling Inc.